You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I have a really special episode for you today. It is, I know I say it every week, every episode is my favorite episode, but this week's episode with Gray Drake is, is truly one of my most favorite episodes because Gray Drake is one of my most favorite people. Uh, if you don't know her, she is the former senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes, and she is a personality that, uh, that you can't miss. She is known for her quick wit and funny jokes and big costumes and bright pink hair and gorgeous smile. And truly, to know Gray is to love Gray. Um, I, I met Gray in 2013 when I was hosting AMC Movie Talk, and she came on. It was me as the host, Amy Rose Eisenbach as the lead commentator, and Gray as the guest. And um, ever since then, I just we've we've known each other professionally, and over the last couple of years, we've gotten to know each other more personally, and uh, found out that we're kind of neighbors too, which is great. So uh, hopefully, we will be spending a lot more time together, um, knowing that how close we are. But uh, we recorded this episode a while ago. Gray came over, we drank tea, we chatted for like an hour before we started recording. Then we started recording and then we chatted some more when we finished and um gray is okay so gray in this episode we talk about our profession gray definitely talks about her profession um and 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 how she got to be where she is so for any of you who who asked that question about getting into the business that that she and I work in um this is a great way to listen um in addition to her just having the magic that magnetic wonderful compelling people have she is also uh, one of the most hardest working people you'll know she does her research she shows up she has a great attitude um she is the utmost professional like she's just gray is the total package and I love her and she I believe, is the only person in the history of this show to pick a movie that they have never seen before. And she picked Billy Wilder's The Seven Year Itch. Um, And Gray and I both had never seen it. And Gray and I both had feelings. And that's all I'm going to say. I think this is a really funny episode. I think that this is a... if, If I... If... You were to ever come over to my house and we sat down at my kitchen table and drank tea or drank wine, hung out, talked about movies, talked about life. Um, I think that this episode is pretty much as close as you're going to get to what that conversation would sound like. Like it's just it's just such a great chat that I feel like she and I would have had anyway. We just so happened to be recording. And I think those are the best kind of episodes. Um, so here it is. Uh, Gray Drake talking about Billy Wilder's The Seven Year Itch. <laughs>
right, I am recording. Awesome. Um, ah. So don't tell any of your secrets. Or tell <laughs> all of your secrets. I'll tell, tell you all of my secrets. Um, yeah, you know, so um, I... We're going to talk about the seven-year itch, uh, which I had never seen. So I'm no. I'm so glad that you prompted me to finally watch. Um, but um, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to what I was going to say. Um, Gray, I want to start. Uh, by the way, this is super informal, so there's not an interview. Yeah, it's just chit chatty. We're just talking things. about these movies that we watch. Just talking about some sweet sweet movies. So. It's um well let's talk a little bit about before we get into um the movie specifically I want to talk about taking your passion and outgoing personality and like applying it to interacting with famous people <laughs> because you and Alicia Malone I feel like very different ways of doing it but you two are so natural. Whether in, I don't know what's going on inside, and like Alicia Malone always says that she feels very awkward and that she th- finds herself to be very awkward. And I watch her junket interviews, and I'm just like, they're so seamless oh, yeah, and no. endearing and charming. I would never use that word to describe. No, her. but she does. Yeah, uh, funny. And, and I'm like, you know, but I so I I admire the ability that you two have in those situations. So how like when you first started doing what you do, and like, okay, I'm gonna be interacting with all these celebrities oh, celebrity God. is the wrong word even or I'm going to be interacting with uh, people who know they're famous <laughs> right <laughs> and um, and also are artistic in some way yeah whether it's because of it's a profession and a business to them or because it's a passion to them or both yeah like hopefully both hopefully yeah. you would hope uh, how do you how did you first approach that was there a oh, hook God. that you found poorly like, yeah I mean <laughs> But I, I am sincerely curious. When I first started doing interviews, I, I, I had eased into it over time, and I, I had a podcast back a, a quite a ways back called the Popcorn Mafia that I mm-hmm. that helped me understand that this is what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like my dreams came into focus and became very clear. So. I got hired to write movie reviews, but when that happened, I told them that my passion was speaking directly to people. Mm. My passion was never ripping apart what another filmmaker had done. Um, And I think at film, by the way, just to note, I think that film criticism at its best is a conversation starter and an art in itself. I don't think that it's a shitty, snarky, way of talking about someone else's hard work. Yep, I agree. Um, so people that do that people that critique a film in a very interesting, thought-provoking way or make us all look really good. Mm-hmm. I love those people. Um I I didn't know that I really had the ability to be one of them. Mm. I still don't really feel that I do mm-hmm. because I think that I I'm more a performer like I tell jokes and mm-hmm. I like that's what I do. So I can talk about a movie with a filmmaking background and and a that combined with my love of being funny, mm-hmm. that's what I produce. But I don't know that it's like, you know, Pauline Kale, I'm not. Sure. So it's like there's room for everyone. But anyway, um, when I start, I when I was allowed to do interviews, I think that it was sort of because like nobody else was available. Sure. 
So they were like, I don't know. Like, we've already let you do a hit at CNN, and you didn't totally mess it up. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we'll let you sit across from Carol Burnett and Amy Poehler, and we'll let you ask them questions. And I was a complete mess. Yeah. And I was such a wreck, and obviously I love them both so much. And Carol Burnett is like a living legend, and I just, oh, my God. And I was terrible. I had no... I had no idea what to do, why I was doing it, what would be interesting. I had no clue. And I was only doing the best that I can to basically like not cry or throw up in mm-hmm. front of them. Mm-hmm. And I was a horror. I would actually like to go back and watch the footage because I'm sure that it was a terrible interview because my own nervousness is what stood in the way of connecting mm-hmm. with them. They were so kind and Carol Burnett told me I look like Julianne Moore. Oh, I was like, thank I can you. see that. I mean, thank you. I can see I, that. I have never heard that, <laughs> nor do I see that when I look in the mirror. But by God, it's an amazing comparison. Yeah. But I was like, Carol Burnett said it. What do I care? So that means it's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, I think that it was pretty quick that I realized that the only thing I was interested in doing is talking to these people whose art has inspired me mm-hmm. and talk and just connect with them in a way that's that feels more real realistic mm-hmm. in that really superficial environment. Mm-hmm. So that's but that's like my goal when I like talk to someone in the supermarket. Sure. Cause that's a like I just love talking to people. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to anyone. I think people are so interesting and we're so messy mm-hmm. and I like the messy stuff because that's where, that's where people get really interesting. And that's where you bond with people when you're like, yeah, you know what? I, if I'm being honest and self-reflective right now, I would say this mm-hmm. and that's all I want to hear from people. And it's, it's pretty confrontational and it's pretty it requires people be really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that people are willing to do in press junkets. No, I mean, it's so hard to disarm them. And I don't, but it's like, that's all I care about. Yeah. I don't, I love movies and I think that obviously it's a really fun job with so many amazing, unusual opportunities. But I mean, I don't, I don't care about somebody paying for my ticket to Paris as much as I care about sitting across from Ridley Scott and just being like, Yo, mm-hmm. like Rutger Hauer in boxer briefs, sir. I thank you. Yeah, yeah. Formative moment in my sexual, <laughs> <laughs> like in maturity. Yes, and it's like, and it's, I've I've been met with so much positivity that it only encourages me to keep going. That's good. The I can't even. Uh, early on, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite interviews that I ever did. I had this genius lightning bolt idea and it was like it felt so good to me I had to do it Mm -hmm. like I would have not done the interview if they wouldn't let me do it it was for Katy Perry for Peace of Me Mm -hmm. in that documentary which I thought was exceptional and I love her and I feel a kinship to her and so I had this idea that I should take my very Katy Perry-esque wig collection mm-hmm. into the room and I should ask her every question in a different look, reverent of Katy Perry. Yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> I was so excited by it and I was like, 
pacing back and forth and I asked for permission and I had no idea how movie studios would feel about it. And I really like over asked, Mm -hmm. like I never needed to do as many things as I did, but it's like, I asked my best friend to come with me, but said she was like my producer. Yes, of course. Because I needed someone to hold the wigs. And (laughs) so it was like, I don't, I don't even know how the room works well enough for me to pull this off, Mm -hmm. but it felt so right. So we walk in the room and we're like, no one at the in Junkets knew me. They're not the nicest people to, to newcomers. I I definitely felt like, what's going on with this one, right? And I, I felt self-conscious. But I knew ultimately that I was like, this is the right thing to do. Like, this is why I'm here. When I get like that, there's no stopping me. I'm really insufferable. So I I went in the room and I said... Hi, Katy Perry. And because I can't call people like Ms. or Mr. Right, right. But I can't d- call them by their first name either. So I call people by their whole names, which is weird. Hi, Katy Perry. I'm Gray. And this is my producer, Zonus. And she she didn't hear me. And she was like, hi, Onus. We were just like, just let it go. <laughs> so I kind of go, hey, listen, I have a bit to do. And she her face kind of wrinkled. And she was like, what is that? Mm. And I said, well, I wanted to ask you um, a different question wearing different wigs. And her eyes lit up and she just goes, oh, my God, I love it. Let's do it. So fun. And I go, great. So I sit down. The bit's going great. We're having so much fun. And then the last last wig is a wig that looks like her hair. Uh So then I, like, gave her crazy eyes and was like, is it weird at all when your fans show up and they want to look just like you? And the whole time that I was talking to her, she knew exactly what I was going for. Mm -hmm. She knew that my questions were both funny based on her music, but also serious based on the documentary. Mm -hmm. So she's so game and just hitting all these different high and low notes and just really impressive. She nailed the joke at the end. She gave me a little button for the end of the interview. She asked me if her wig was on straight. She's so like so funny. I was, I was like, I'm on to something like this feels so deeply right to me Mm -hmm. that I, I cannot be stopped at this point. And I, every interview, I just am like, this is like the last interview I'm ever going to do. Not using that attitude as an excuse to do something inappropriate, Mm -hmm. using it as a springboard to sort of ask myself like what is my dream interaction with this person sure why do i love them why is this movie what is this movie promoting how do we marry those things how do we have a moment that makes someone feel like oh man i could totally be bros with george clooney like Mm -hmm. how do we achieve that yeah and it's it's so fun it's so deeply fun and satisfying and i've had so many like wonderful moments with people that it has made me feel so much more confident in being that person every day for every person that I come Mm. into contact with. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to do. That's all I care about. I could talk about this all damn day. And I just, that's why I do it. I, I've been really lucky to find a bridge that helps me get from me to someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's, movies yeah that's what it is yeah that's so interesting it's so it's so hard to for for our listeners at home just so you know it's so hard to find that confidence like 
I mean, that those rooms are so... I mean, even to, like, they're so intimidating and they're unwelcoming. Yeah. And I think that it says a lot about you that you're able to go in and build those bridges in four minutes or less. <laughs> um, it's truly, like, it's it's truly a skill that most of the people who do that don't, don't have. And it's hard to pull off. It has, it has nothing to do with the people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And it doesn't always work. Trust <laughs> me. Like, it's not, so, you know, sometimes you're met with people that aren't willing to be that, they're not willing to play. Mm -hmm. And I, I respect that. That's fine. But I think the other, the, it's, it's, it is about confidence. And I, I think that I've been a relatively confident person my whole life. But mm -hmm. I think I'm, I think so much about what's going on in situations and with people and mm -hmm. in their brain and how they're relating to each other that it's like, yeah, this just kind of comes out like it translates well into how I behave afterwards mm -hmm. because I, one of the things I do is prepare, 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 so prepared, really prepared, absolutely crumple the piece of paper up and throw it away mm -hmm. when I walk in the interview, because one of the other things it's, that's all, it all stands between the two people mm -hmm. or the, it all stands between the interviewer and the interviewee that if you have a plan, if you have an agenda, if you have a bias, if you yeah. are there to accomplish something, yep. Um, in a very, I think in a more linear way, if you're there to accomplish something, which everybody is, cause we all have producers and bosses mm -hmm. and it's like, this is a job, but it's like a, such a drag when they're like, you know, you have to ask this and you have to ask why they wanted that, do that script. Like that's so depressing Yeah. because I don't think I've ever been able to walk in a room and know where that other person is at. You have to be a quick judge of the room yeah. and then you just have to adjust because sometimes it's like, nah, I had this plan. But the one thing that I've gotten a lot better about is twofold. It's being able to abandon the plan and adjust to where that person is. Mm -hmm. But um, just like not being attached to the results. It's like, this is just a, this is four minutes in time. And I've been very disappointed, you know, it's mm -hmm. isn't, but I, it's like some, you know, you fly overseas sometimes mm -hmm. and it's like, I put in so much effort and I watched this movie and I did all this work and I'm wearing a costume for yeah. God's sake. And then you just have four minutes and maybe you just blew it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, eh. but you can't, it's such a fluid thing. Mm hmm you just have to be able, you have to be willing to let it go. And I'm not great with that Zen stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm really not, but I'm very interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that it exists yeah. for someone I've out there. I've read about it. <laughs> so I've been a lot of articles about it onto my Pinterest board. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beast. It's a beast. I mean, look, it's, um, it's a it's a learn it's a really specific skill and it's um it's a weird skill. Yeah, God, what a weird job it is. It is a, it is. I never imagined I would ever do this. But it's so I but at the same time, sort of like what we were talking about before we started rolling. It's it. I can't think of a more a, a more perfect person to be doing that job. <laughs> and the fact that that job exists at this moment in time. I have my girlfriends um, back home. I remember we were hanging. We hang, We have like a tradition every Christmas when I go home. And one year, my one of my girlfriends, we were just kind of standing over to the side drinking, waiting for our turn on the on the life size Jenga. Oh, you know? of course. And yeah, the two by four size Jenga. And she goes. 
you know, none of us are surprised that you do this. Right. And I was like, what? And she goes, nobody, not one person. She's like, the pink hair is not weird. Mm-hmm. Your job's not weird. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is weird. And I almost like wept. Yeah. Feel like just like, oh, maybe like other people around me knew this and helped make it safe for me to figure this out. Ah, no, that's interesting. And yeah. it took, you know, a long time. And I, but I, yeah, it's like, I think we get so many messages. Mm-hmm. We just have to be open enough to listen. Yes. And it's really scary. Yeah. But that's all, but again, I don't, that's all I care about. I want to be uncomfortable all the time. Mm. I don't learn anything any other way. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I hope that I hope that the listeners are really listening to what, everything you just said because it's very important. It's very wise. Thank you. It's never comfortable. No. If it's comfortable, then you're you could probably push yourself a little more. That is one hundred percent true. Um. So let's talk about seven year itch. Speaking of uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. <laughs> no. So um, the list that you sent over was this one, mash, and what was the third one? Do you remember? I feel like there were three that we, that, that 12 angry men. Yes. 12 angry men. And I love Sydney Lumet so much. Oh my God. What a, what a eclectic list that was. Sydney Lumet wrote the greatest book on acting. Mm. And I never, ever forgot it because in film school, I definitely had a bias against actors and it was there cause they're kind of easy targets. Mm-hmm. And also because I think probably I was like in denial that mm. I really wanted to like be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So I was acting out his, he is so respectful and so reverent of actors. It changed my perspective forever. And his movies show that mm-hmm. I think. And I'm, I'm all, I, and that one I feel like I might've seen part of it in a film class. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember scenes from it, but I don't have a good sense of it in the conflict. So I, that's one of the reasons. MASH, I have never seen. Mm. I did not have a relationship with the TV show. I did not find it funny. Same. And then, all, but but my opinion of Robert Altman, I like never love his movies, mm-hmm. but I really respect them. Yeah. Glad that they exist. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of am always like, ooh, I feel like I'm not smart enough to understand what's going on right here. Or not, but I don't know. Yeah. And then, but but seven when you when you kind of said, oh, I've never seen Seven Year Itch. I was like, let's do it because there's nothing better than Marilyn Monroe at the height of her Marilynness, her Marilynosity. Yes, this was full Marilynosity for sure. And thank God for her. So, all right, now, uh, Seven Year Itch is Billy Wilder. I I've talked about on the show before that I love Billy Wilder. Um, but you know, when I went to film school, I think I got the wave of film school professors who were students in like the first wave of film school. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I think I think everything that they were taught was like American cinema hmm. because all my professors did the flip and all they wanted to teach was international cinema. Sure. She got so, a lot of Godard. And, yeah, yes. Which is amazing. Totally fine and good. Um, but I realized, you know, later, like, oh my God, no, nowhere in my film program did anyone show me a Billy Wilder movie. 
Like, wow. how is that possible? You yeah. know? Um, and granted, it wasn't like a streamlined program. You could basically, you picked it, you picked as long as it filled this requirement, pick any of these classes and so on and so forth. Um, and certainly there were clips shown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have that part of the education. And, um, and so I came to Billy Wilder much later, but oh my God, like I did Sunset Boulevard on this show with Lynn Shay. Um, and she is the best and that movie is I just I love and um, the apartment I watch every Christmas Uh, (laughs) it's a little dark but I get it yep totally it's one of my like my Christmas list spans from Elf and It's a Wonderful Life and Love Actually to the apartment and Scrooge and and Black Christmas and Black Christmas absolutely so so I love and I've read many I've read books uh, you know I, I admire Billy Wilder's sense of humor um, knowing, you know, that his family fled the Holocaust right. and, you know, being an immigrant and all these changing his name. I don't remember his real name, but I it, don't is, it is not Billy Wilder. Right. Um, so so I'm, I'm in awe because to me there is something so um, really, you know, to me when it comes to, to Jewish comedy specifically or comedy that is very heavily influenced by Jewish culture, it's always laughing at the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whether it's Mel Brooks in Sometimes or whether it's Billy Wilder uh, in the apartment, you know, dealing with a suicide attempt. There right. are a lot of jokes and it's not laughing at the situation, but it's like... It's, it's like if you don't laugh, you'll cry. That's exactly right. Sure. So... With this movie, I of course, we've all seen the iconic shots. We've all seen the dress. But I had no idea what this movie was. Mm. And I had no idea what it was about. I mean, I guess. And then you start to go with a seven-year itch. Oh, yeah. Like when a when a marriage gets to a certain place, then it, this the, the wandering eye yeah. appears. Yeah. So I was like, okay, knowing Billy Wilder and knowing, by the way, I want to say that like, I feel like Billy Wilder is a very progressive director um yeah. and an artist now i know this seven year itch is based on a play um yes. that existed before that d- he did not write um but uh <laughs> but man this was a <laughs> <laughs> the screenwriter by the way like the excuse me the playwright gave him a screenplay oh and he apparently and he goes he said you can use this for the movie and he goes yeah we'll use it as a doorstop <laughs> <laughs> Billy Wilder. Yes. Um, I hate to uh, just give a simple opinion of such a great filmmaker. Sure. I hated this movie. Oh, yeah. I hated it. I couldn't believe I had struck out so bad in suggesting this movie. Had you, had you never seen it before? No. Oh, I think you're the first person to pick one they've never seen. You never saw That's, it. I'm so glad you did this, though, <laughs> because nobody does this. Like, truly, this is exciting. We had both never seen it before. Good. Gray, this is why you're the best. <laughs> I hated this movie, too. <laughs> so this is, it's so fascinating. Like, it's so fascinating watching any movie that is 63 years old through a modern lens. Yes. In which this this guy, oh God, he's so his family is uh, is gone on holiday for the summer, which is also a concept I do not understand. Sure, I, I we barely were able to go on vacations 
you know, it was oh, always, yeah. so it's like, I don't, you summer places, <laughs> dad is left at home and he's at home to work in the hot New York, you know, city mm-hmm. and, 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 <laughs> oh my God. And I, just within the first five minutes of the film, actually, I didn't realize it was a play. And I, I, within the first five minutes I went, Jesus, is this a play? Mm-hmm. And Steve goes, yeah, this is based on a play. And I went, oh no, <laughs> yeah. is the whole movie going to be like this? Yeah. Because it's like everything's a monologue yeah. in this movie. He's just talking to himself, literally. How awkward must yeah. that have been for the actor in a film camera situation? Yeah. Because it's so satisfying as a as a theater actor yeah. to be delivering this kind of monologue in which people are responding and they're laughing. Yes. I'm sure that people back then found this so funny. Yes. I'm sure they did too. Well, actually, so I did read that um, Tom Ewell, who played the role, he played the role for several years on Broadway right. and then played it on screen. Blech. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, boy, I have... Yeah, I, <laughs> and I. It's hard to know where, how to focus in on just how awful this movie is. Yeah, it's um, it's sh- okay. Here's a good place to start. <laughs> I think it is shocking to me that this movie is on any best of list. Period. I know. I mean, now the moment iconic, the the p- subway great moment, fine. Um, you know, we all have seen it, it but aside from that, and, and I'm sure it was a smash at the time, you know, like yeah, you said, yeah. I'm sure people thought oh. this was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, they're talking about relationships, it's funny. Totally, cracking jokes and all the things, but like, uh, uh, the movie itself is not. Billy Wilder has so many amazing films yeah. in his, in his canon, like, why is this movie on any list? Something that I thought was interesting is that it, it, even the photography of this film yes. was so static and yes. uninteresting and contained, and it was really claustrophobic. And then you've got, comparatively to something like Sunset Boulevard, which is so inve- imaginative yes. and it's so interesting on a timeline. And this film, it, it has a... So it's it's like... Tom Yule has this wild imagination. So he's monologuing to the camera half the time. And then he goes into this fantasy and all the fantasy is always making out with Marilyn Monroe. And it's like, I get it. Yeah. But it's so one note and it's so this, it's so similar over and over again. The movie fails to do anything new. And that's like the first crime of screenwriting. Yes. Every scene needs to further the story. Right. And hopefully in a different way. Right to make it consistently interesting so you're always learning new information that gives nuance. Yes. And there, none of that is happening in this movie. He just wants to bang this hot chick. And it's like, oh, okay. And that's like accepted as to what every man wants to do yes. when their wife is away with their ch- child or children? Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. It was, a, <gasps> it was a crummy feeling. It was a bad feeling. I felt very <laughs> bad about it. Like, it's just... Because also, you know, you get to a point... So, okay. Now, now ready? To, let's get dark for a second. Because I, I, I really mean this. Uh, I listen to a lot of true crime, okay? Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of times, not a lot of times, but sometimes there is a pattern in true crime of men who are tired of their lives and so, and they start, they have affairs and then they decide, you know, I, instead of getting a divorce, I'm just going to kill my family. And, Jesus. and, and you just go, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, that's, or you could just get a divorce and, and, change your lifestyle sure. uh, but that's too hard so I'll just kill my family right when and someone is so broken that that seems like an option yes yeah. and and I say this like matter of factly but it's true I mean like oh. the history of of American crime and murder is filled with this type of story I bring it up because he actually in the movie when he's afraid that Marilyn Monroe is going to tell people he suggests out loud comically I'll kill her I'll just kill her uh, yeah. and I was like ah right like that's funny until it's not I mean <laughs> I, I just and it, it but what it does to me is is signal a time certain this is okay so it's 1955 a certain type of masculinity like all American, American dream, making them whatever I can, but that is so, it hinges so hard on an illusion. Mm -hmm. Okay. And fortunately, not all places, but you know, here we are in 2018, we're still grappling with this, but the, the destruction, the, the destruction of the illusion of the nuclear family, the perfect family, whatever, is so damaging in real life and in the context of this movie that maybe people need to die. And it just like struck me as I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, crazy. That is it. This is insane. And I know some people who are listening to this might be like, all right, PZ police, like whatever. But <laughs> I, I just like, it's, that was a gag. That's a gag. It was so, it's a really socially interesting movie. Yes. I really, I, I don't, it's impossible it's impossible to watch this movie and enjoy it fully because Marilyn Monroe's character is so flat and one dimensional that I, I just there it's, it's hard to not get meaning from it. And, and it's like 2019 meaning yeah. instead of 55 meaning where you're like, no, I mean, this is a man who somewhat valiantly or very valiantly has agreed to raise a family and he's providing sure. and it's incredible. Yep. And it might not have been what he wanted to do. He's not excited about reading a manuscript yeah. the first night that his family is gone. Yep. <laughs> um, he's avoiding work. He's procrastinating. And then he, see, like, he sees this amazing, beautiful woman and she likes it's exciting. And I get I get all that. Mm -hmm. I understand it. Uh, but it he's he's it just feels like he's projecting a lot onto her mm -hmm. that she, her character never, it, it's, it's never realized. So it's just like what a, she is literally just a, that l beautiful woman in the white dress that he's projecting yeah. all his stuff on like a movie screen. She doesn't have a name. She's called the girl. The girl. She literally doesn't have a name. They said apparently that they just couldn't think of a name for her. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, because it's just not important. She's not important in the story. Yeah. And it's so hard to watch it as anything but a really, like, horrible, horrible experience of life all the way back then. Oof. I, I Watching this movie, I felt like I wanted to rip my own skin off yeah. my body. Yeah. 
it, it I kept was, checking the time and I was like, how much longer is How is, is this, this? going to keep going? Or when, like, when is something going to happen? It's so, all the jokes are so hack and like, and to be fair, they're hack because they've been reused in the time since then. Uh, so sure. certainly we've seen a lot of movies that use the same material because it's ripping this off. But I, ju- I just hated every second. There wasn't one thing that made me laugh. I agree. And so here's a question, though, because I, I often do this when I'm not, not enjoying a movie. I think, okay, who would I like to see in this role that, I, that might make it better? Because Billy Wilder has a type. He is a type of, of leading man. And it is the sort of nervous, not alpha. A yeah. lot of his men are not alpha men. Um, and I think about, and, and you know, I'm going to compare it a lot to The Apartment just because I, one, I love that movie. But I do think there are some similarities. Like, And I was thinking about Jack Lemmon. And I was thinking about his role in, uh, in The Apartment. And I was thinking about how if I could hear Jack Lemmon saying these words, I could see him dancing around the apartment kind of. And it wouldn't have made the words any better, but it would have been like the sugar that sort of helped the awful medicine go down in a way. Sure. Um, Jack Lemmon was a likable dude. That's why he pulled off all those roles. Abs- like, absolutely. He played a lot of imperfect Yes. Characters that you still you could like kind of be on their side about stuff. Oh yeah, it was fine. Now you know what's interesting to me though is that adultery specifically or infidelity. You know that is so. So this is 1955 and 1959. Some like it hot, and then 1960 is the apartment. This so, movie got ruined by the Hayes Code. That this was right in the middle of that because oh. that was like. I feel like that was like the late 30s. So it was like those were the rules when everybody was like, you can't present anything that's untoward in relationships. And it's all these stupid rules about what you can show in films. You can't glorify anything violent or criminal. Um, And this this movie was just ruined because the play is really different. Is it? The play, he does have the affair. That's actually one of the fundamental issues with this film is that Tom Yule is like not at all masculine or right, interesting. Right. And so he doesn't even make the decision to have the affair in the movie. Yeah. On the stage play, they definitely have the, an affair. So at least it's like, at least he committed to something. Yeah, he made a decision. <laughs> and this is like, oh, but I just love her and she's so pretty. And like, it just is over and over. And it, it was, and it's it's ruined because wow, of Wow, now that's interesting. I didn't know that. I mm. didn't realize any of that. And well, and also, you know, it got to a point at the end with Marilyn Marilyn's character just fawning all over this man and, and why I did not understand I was so honestly like it was confusing. Uh-huh. It was legit confusing. And um you know, he, yeah, there was a lot that did not make sense when things did start to happen plot-wise. Like, he, he, it's almost as though, yeah, so, but to go back to the apartment thing, you know, five years later when he makes the apartment and he writes the apartment, um, 
infidelity is discussed and addressed head on. Like that's all that movie is about. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah, it's been a long time. Okay, okay. Yeah. But it's it's all the movie is about is these horrible men who just take advantage of Baxter, you know, and and take advantage of and treat these women like trash. And it shows you their side of the story, meaning Shirley MacLaine, you you get to see the outcome of these men taking advantage of these women yeah, you just can't take it and anymore. discarding them and you know it's um it's a it's an incredibly I find it to be an incredibly heartfelt and empathetic film um and not holding these men to these weird standards of masculinity and if they are upholding those weird standards of masculinity they're 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 horrible people like you see right they're he, judged that's for it. right and so i would be so curious i need to get my i need to get my nerdy book movie books out and start and see if maybe the apartment tonally or or story uh wise is is in some way a response to this, the material in the seven year itch. I don't think Billy Wilder liked this movie. You don't? No. Good. I that don't, makes me feel really good. I don't think he did. Um, it stands out. And it kind of his... passed. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. It's like a sore thumb. And it's like it passed around in like different studios. Mm. So I kind of think that it's possible that, I mean, of course, like after the movie comes out and people are like, it was a huge hit. Sure. But like, it's easy to be like, Oh, I don't like that movie. But um, I I think that he knows, and it wasn't really his thing, yeah. and maybe he just needed to, like, pay his taxes yeah. Yeah. or something. Who knows? Because everybody gets kind of stuck in that. Um, I think uh, I think Walter Matthau mm. would have been way better. Oh, that would like, have been. Like, young Walter yeah, Matthau, yeah. or even like, even, like, a Fred McMurray. Totally. But, like... Who is Baxter in... Uh, or I'm sorry, is Mr. Sheldrake in, in the apartment? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, I also this was a weird one, and I he I don't think he would have done it because he didn't do these kind of movies. But even like Gary Cooper, sure, would have been really good. Yeah, because sort of more what I wanted. I mean, I wanted a completely different script. Yeah. Is what I wanted. But I also think that I got so disgusted by how wishy washy. Tom Yule is in the role. Yeah. That I wanted a character that was more of anything. Yes. That was funnier yeah. or stronger or more nervous or something mm -hmm. that wasn't as squishy and gross. Yeah. As he just grossed me out. Yeah. And not for one second did I ever believe that the stunning and Light as a feather, Marilyn Monroe would ever go for this guy. And she's at maximum Marilyn yes. in this movie. I do not recall or care about anything that happens in this film when she's not in screen. Yeah. She is stunning. She has this way of like, I would have given anything this year behind the scenes because like apparently she never could remember her lines right, and right. like 40 takes and nah, nah, nah. but. I mean, when they got it, though. Right. I mean, she walks in a room, and it's like, if anyone thinks it's easy to be an actor, they're so wrong. Because right. she walks in a room, and just even the way that she says, hi. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's so perfect. Mm -hmm. She's perfect. And I don't know if she's perfect because we made her perfect, mm -hmm. or if she is, and that's what made us make her that. I don't, I'm not sure if, I'm not, it's a real chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. But regardless, 
especially in this day and age, it's fascinating to look and listen to her, look yeah. at and listen to her. Yeah, it's um. So I brought this up when um, Emma Fife. Uh, picked um, Some Like It Hot and we did that one on the show and um, I at least that movie's funny oh yeah it's (laughs) listen Some Like It Hot is funny and and silly and fun and witty and clever and ridiculous in a lot of ways Um, oh side note I love how how much parody is in this movie the from here to eternity bit like that was that, that was such a weird move but I kind of was like wait what? At least there's something. Yeah, and then the at movie. the end, uh, at the end when when Tom Yule's character says something about Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you know, and I was like, all right, all right, all right. We love that. We love that postmodern yes. Billy Wilder stuff. Yes, but but um, with some like it hot, like she and I had this conversation, and I really felt it more in this one. I have a prob. I can't. Um, admire Marilyn Monroe for what for some reason. Hmm. Like I can ad- I can recognize that she's beautiful for sure, but and I don't know if it's like what you were talking about. Do I know too much about her? Do I know because the you know hearing these male filmmakers over the years, Billy Wilder included, included talking about her vulnerability and talking about how you just want to pick her up and protect her, and uh, and then when she fucks up on set, you want to you know knock her out because she's so unprofessional and oh, it's yeah. infuriating. I mean, towards the end, she couldn't get a job, and and it's just like this movie. This character, the girl, exemplifies everything that frustrates me Mm. about certain types of women. Sure. And that is not to pass judgment on them, by the way. This is my own issue with whatever I am projecting on on whatever I'm projecting it onto. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I and 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 you know when you think about the girl, it's kind of like a Holly Golightly character, who by the way I have less of a problem with, which I don't know why that's a thing. But <laughs> you know, like it's it's this character of like you can see you can read between the lines. She clearly does she does she have money? Does she not have money? She keeps saying like, oh I just don't know why this happens to me all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I have an idea of why this happens to you all the time. <laughs> And, you know, there was also a part where, and I, I couldn't, and admittedly, I watched this this morning, and I don't even remember, so clearly <laughs> I'm not invested, but at some point, like, he, he, he reveals, or she, she sees his ring, right. and he yeah, goes, yeah, I'm yeah. not married, well, we're separated, uh, and, and I can't remember quite where they land on that. Me either, but, actually. But the fact that she keeps coming into that apartment and saying like there's nothing wrong can I just sleep here they have the whole conversation at the end about what if my wife comes in and she's like oh yeah she'd probably be pissed and I'm like I'd be mad then get the fuck out of that house all right exactly oh my god I mean it was very frustrating to me (laughs) you're right no you're right and that's that's I think that is the fault of the writing of this movie. Yes. Because she, I don't know what her deal is. Right. And you're right about all of these things. She doesn't make any sense. And she's so beautiful, she doesn't have to make sense. So nobody bothered to think about this. Yes. And so it is none of the, none of her actions check out. 
I didn't believe anything. And it just seemed like, well, I saw this beautiful woman and I really am thinking about cheating on my wife. But also, I don't want her cheating on me because that's wrong. And it's like, wait, but hold on. <laughs> yeah. Like, do just go to work. And like, then, do your job. Then you'd think that, that like, I kept thinking that the turn was going to be um, that he finds out she, his wife has gone on the hayride and he gets jealous and goes, what am I doing? Like, and has a real heart to heart with himself because he realizes, oh, I wouldn't appreciate it if my wife was running out on me. But instead, it just turns into, what if my wife finds out? Oh, God, I have to protect my, I, but it is so all over the place. And you know what else? I thought about this because this movie does lean so hard on visions and imagination. And she is the literal, like if she was the, a literal dream girl, if this mm -hmm. was a dream oh, or if, wow. if they had set it in some sort of surreal, you know, if they had done something clever in, in that way of, of letting the audience know this is a this is a fantasy gone wild or something right, right. like that. I don't know. There's just there there had to, the fact that it was so grounded in re, it was allegedly so grounded in reality, um, but also the way it's shot is so um, you know because I it, also in the apartment like it takes place mostly you know in an office yeah. and in an apartment. Yeah. But that that camera work is fluid. It's, it's great. You know, like they have clearly built a set so that they can, that even though it's mostly dialogue in an apartment, it feels like a movie. And so that was another thing where I was just like, you know, th this, the camera work is so stale and grounded that it feels like, okay, there's no imagination to this. Mm -mm. It just, it was a very, it was just, yeah, I wish that there had been something more yeah, I was that I just, can explain it away. My God, he's just talking to the camera the whole time, and then occasionally Marilyn Monroe shows up, and that's the whole film. I really deeply regretted my life choices <laughs> when I was watching this. But now we know. Yeah, we do, and I I'm shocked that it's on a list. I'm shocked that people were able to speak about it with any kind of uh, like fond words. Yeah. Uh, I think that it is exactly the kind of expression of, you know, what you were talking about earlier, this sort of the American dream nuclear mm -hmm. family stuff, it's exactly the kind of thing we're working to undo right now because yeah. it's so ingrained in our society. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't true elements of what's going on. It doesn't mean that you're not with a person in a monogamous relationship and you don't have a wandering eye. Of course. There are just so many other interesting movies about the topic that actually say something. Yes. Whereas this one just plays out as like this like middle-aged guy superhero fantasy. <laughs> and it really bummed me out because I want to watch that movie. Yeah. But if it's good yeah. and making a comment on something. Yeah. But instead, I was just focused on like... Wow, lingerie back then was pointy. Yes, that's so all pointy. I, that's all I thought about. Yeah. I was like, she. I just am so fascinated by her as a character and this icon in film history. Because mm -hmm. she, we've completely lost the the fact that she's a real person. Yes, and was very troubled yes. and and battled with depression and endometriosis and all of these really crippling things that got her in the end, and. We just, she's just this face that is so luminous mm -hmm. and so captivating that it's like she's just undeniable. Yeah. And I don't know, it's like uh, she could, could barely do any wrong. Mm -hmm. And 
it was it was only at the end when they had they wouldn't hire her and they would sue her and stuff for like delaying productions. But I I am so interested. This this movie in all of its boring, horrible qualities have like reinvigorated my interest in her yeah. as a person completely opposite this flat one dimensional character. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, God, I hated this. Yeah, moment. I hated it too. And for our listeners at home, the timeline is uh, seven year itch is 1955. Some like it hot is 1959 and she died in 1962. Yeah. So it was, it was a very close, I she mean, was like 28, I think, when she made I, this. Yeah, yes, because I think she was 36 when Ish. she died or something like that. Um, it's like, oh, my God. And she was already like all the all the stuff I've ever read about her. And she's like in her late 20s, worried that her looks had gone, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have some real like sociopaths pulling the strings of her, you know, like yeah, you yeah. can, I mean, it's, and like in, and the dialogue in the film just reinforces that idea too, where he's like talking to the ghost image of his wife that's knitting and is talking about how her looks have gone. And she, that actress in like the least thank, the most thankless role ever. It's like they put like baby powder in her hair to make it a yeah, little gray. Cause she's a babe when she's on the hayride and, and like, she, yeah. And she's wearing like her cute little gingham with yeah, it tied and off. She ties it up. And <laughs> I was like, get, it and also <laughs> you leave this guy yeah Ugh. exactly and and yeah and i and remember he was like i mean my wife well she's 31 now and right? i was like oh stop oh everyone God. stop right now the, um us you know it's like modern modern <laughs> science has really changed yeah all the thing is, is that it's changed our life expectancy and kept all of our like stigmas yes. exactly the same. Yep, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's like I get the biological reason that everybody digs young people. Sure. I get it. Sure, they're more likely to bear children. It really is that simple, yeah. I believe. But there's other world that we live in. Yeah. So it's like, I, yes, I am a dried up crone. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Oh God. <laughs> um, I I was more excited at thinking about a movie that hit, that hits relationships on an incredibly realistic level that I thought really played well to me as the woman of a certain age that I am in the modern world. Yeah. I was brainstorming a million of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, we, I think that we're doing better. Yeah. I mean, I think we are too. And I think that I did have to have a palate cleanser after this. What'd movie. you watch after this? train wreck? Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I know that, um, I know that, uh, Amy, uh, Schumer. Schumer is a really divisive person, uh -huh. and, and I, I am interested in those conversations. Sure. I do not necessarily disagree with them, mm -hmm. but I do think that her presence is important because it's the stuff that she's chosen to do have is is actually kind of predated yeah. a lot of these conversations that are really common for us now. So. If you're one of those people that is really tired about everyone getting upset about everything, mm -hmm. like, I feel you. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to go back to a time where it was a lot easier for me to make jokes. Sure. But we're never going to get back. We're, excuse me. Unless that pendulum swings, we're never going to get to the middle. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, we got to stay uncomfortable for a while. I mean, this comes back to me wanting to be uncomfortable. I like these conversations. Sure. Because it helps me be smarter, and I think Amy Schumer, even though I have, I have comments on what she chooses to say, mm -hmm. I like that she's saying it. Yeah, 
I, I don't disagree with that at all. And uh, and she she's somebody that I look to for style for some kinds of inspiration. Like the fact mm-hmm. that she was like, listen, I have something to offer. I have something to say, mm-hmm. even from a very early you know, part in her career, whether it's stand up and then into sketch comedy and, and on so on. Like, yeah, I think I, I admire, I admire the chutzpah in some ways, but then, yeah, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. It's all about the conversation. It's like, nobody's going to nail this. Right. You know, it's not, none of, no art was ever meant to please everyone, but you, you have to, I, I mean, I think it's all about paying attention. That's that's why criticism can be great. Right. It's like you're having a conversation about it, and it's not, you know, the internet is not what I'm talking about. It's not just having a hot take and putting it out there and then flaming people that disagree with you. Right. It's about discourse and everybody, oh, like, maybe I learned a little something. Maybe I'm smarter now. Like, cool. Oh, maybe, maybe women deserve to be more than just the hot girl upstairs that's, like, real clumsy just doesn't know how this always happens. Oh, oh, if only I didn't lose my receipt. Like, I just mm. was like, oh, man. That, that for some reason, the si- losing the sales slip. <laughs> Gray, I'm going to be really real with you right now. I was like, bitch, get your life together. I don't know why losing the receipt upset me so much. Oh my God. But it really really upset me that's what broke that's the receipt broke me she's sitting in a chair pondering because he has air conditioning and it's so hot in new york that it's this is like a huge selling point and probably part of the reason she put up with this gross you (laughs) know dude so she's sitting in the chair and she's putting her feet up and she's really enjoying this amazing wall unit air conditioner which we all know is terrible so technology back then was like really sad yeah and then she's like having this great inner monologue about a fan and he's over there fixing a drink and talking about the nature of human animals. And now, well, you know, well, it's well, a base urges, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, men are so smart. Women are so silly. And we're just together in this world. And then and uh, then she asked to sleep in his apartment. And I was like, you can't possibly can't be like. And yeah. then she, but she bought a fan and it doesn't work. And she doesn't think she has the receipt. <laughs> That it just, I was so upset. I was so upset. I, this delights me. Ugh. I hated this movie. Yeah, so I hated it too. Um, okay. So before I let you go, because I know you have places to be, <laughs> um, everybody gets the opportunity to add a movie to the list. Do you have a movie that you would add to the list? You know what? I, I'm so glad that I watched my palate cleanser movie yes. that I think that, I think Amy Schumer she's she, i think she's gonna end up on my list someday but i will offer an alternate suggestion okay. which is another palate cleanser i would have watched had i not wanted to go to sleep which is bridesmaids yes yes absolutely because 100%. i think it's another presentation of of relationships both with uh romantic ones and your best friends and it's how people change and you got to roll with the punches and you need to uh it's like you just you just have to be open to some of the most difficult changes yes. and and that's and going through those changes with friends is like why we have friends yeah it's true so and it's what a funny wonderful movie and very heartfelt and very sincere and um you know for a yes i i do think that bridesmaids is a comedy and a film that will stand the test of time for sure because at the underneath like underneath the 
um, shitting in the street in the street, <laughs> which just thinking is like to me. It just was such a such a wonderful moment for so many reasons, <laughs> but it's also like if I don't know, I could I, I've, it, I'm a person with stomach issues, and so <laughs> I've never had that experience per se. But like you know, I just was like, you know what, this is real. Like life is real. It almost wasn't in the movie. I they had a lot of reservations about I'm it. I'm sure they did because it's, but you know the way Paul Feig shoots it from far away, yeah. is is the classy and right way to do it. And like that's the thing about that movie is that it can be um, dirty, it can be a hard R movie, but the way that it's handled is 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 crass but still with class, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And um, I think that's the the beautiful combination of Paul Feig as a director and the writing yeah. that that is that is there as well. Yeah, man, they they killed that movie. Yes. And I saw it so many times in the theater, which <laughs> really? is crazy. Yeah. And I still revisit it and I have such a fondness for everyone involved in it. Yes. Yes. Just because it meant that much to me. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> When we talk about bridesmaids in 50 years, yeah, I think that we will probably have similar, you know, we'll have a similar love for it. Yes. And people will be like, oh, well, as, well, as long as we're not living in death race by then. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, which no promises. Yeah, exactly. no, no promises. Day by day, guys. Yeah. Taking, taking it one step at a time. Um, well, Gray, I am so glad that you came over today. I'm so glad that we did this. I'm so glad we both hated this movie. Oh, my God, me too. With this a fiery is... passion. Because oh. I thought, I didn't realize you had never seen it before. And I was like, what if this is great? One of Gray's favorite things. Like, what am I, how are we going to have this conversation? And uh, I was preparing for that. Like, wow. okay, I can, I can do it, but I'm really glad I didn't have to. God, me too. Jesus. <laughs> what would that say about me? Yikes. No. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear from somebody that, that likes the film. Yeah. That wants to stand up for it. Cause I, I mean, again, bring that conversation on. I want to hear anything. The reviews that I read made no sense to me. Okay. So I was like, this is tough for me, but I'm willing to grow. Yep. Well, that's my thing. Here's what I'm going to do. Next time I see a Malton, I'm going to ask, ask a Malton. Oh God, that's a good idea. I wonder if Leonard has feelings on it. Well, I know, uh, I know that they all do. I know that the whole Malton family will. I'd be curious yeah, to know what it is. I would be too. Ooh. All right, to be continued. That's but until right. then, thank you, Gray. You're welcome. Thank you. Alrighty, friends, that is going to do it for us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gray Drake. Um, she is the best. Boy, we hated this movie. <laughs> and we got to follow up. We got to ask the Maltons, Leonard or uh, or Jesse, um, about their feelings on on the seven-year itch. I would be very, very curious. So we'll, we'll do a little follow-up on that for sure. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. There is more from my conversation with Gray coming to Patreon this Thursday. So if you contribute $5 a month, that's it, to Patreon. Um, there are weekly mini-episodes. Um, sometimes they're AMAs. Sometimes they're pieces that got cut out of this conver the bigger conversation, side stories, whatever. They go up on Thursdays, and um, so check it out. 
It's uh, patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. But if you are not interested in that, totally understandable. Please share the show. Please uh, rate and review the show and um, tell your friends. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go follow Gray Drake on social if you don't already because she is a goddess. And that's it for now. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>